Welcome to Consumed, the podcast that features casual conversations with the people behind what we eat and drink. I'm Jamie Lewis, and I just discovered that Consumed hit the top 40 of food and wine podcasts in the U.S. this past year. Top 40. Mind blown. I think you're going to like this ninth season of the Consumed podcast. I interviewed a couple chefs, a brewer, knife designers, a cheese purveyor, produce manager, fitness instructor, farmer advocate, religion professor, singer-songwriter, wine historian, and a pizza don. From Paso Robles to Ventura, they told me the story behind the story of what they do and why. Before we get into it, let me give a quick shout out to a couple of key sponsors who make this podcast tick. One is Santa Maria wine grower James Onaveros with Ranchos de Onaveros Wines. In April, James's label, Native Nine, was named among Wine and Spirits magazine's best Pinot Noir of the year in the country. I mean, I'm not surprised, but still, that's a really big deal. To taste those Pinots, head to the station in Los Alamos, where you'll find the most recent wines from Rancho de Anaveros, as well as tasty grub from Cisco Kid Catering, like classic Santa Maria-style tri-tip, barbecue plates, burgers, pork belly tacos, plus beer, kombucha, even avocado toast. Hang out in Los Alamos, enjoy James's wines, and soak up the best of a Central Coast summer. Many thanks to Rancho de Anaveros and James for his support of this podcast and his commitment to the growth of the local wine industry. For more information about Rancho de Anaveros wines, visit ranchostayanaveros.com. I'm also grateful for support from Slow Life Magazine, which focuses exclusively on the perks of living in San Luis Obispo, California. Keep an eye out for my next food column in the magazine. I did something a little different this time, and I asked a few kids about their favorite dishes and restaurants in town. I was rather shocked by their answers, and I can't wait for you to read all about it. Look for the June issue on newsstands at Boo Boo Records and Barnes and Noble, or subscribe at slowlifemagazine.com. Sitting down with Topa Topa Brewing Company founder Jack Dyer felt like meeting up with a pen pal. I've been drinking Topa Topa beers pretty faithfully for the last several years, so it was cool to meet their maker. Headquartered in Ventura, California, Topa Topa produces some of the freshest beers around. In fact, Jack told me they can't seem to make enough of their flagship beer, Chief Peak, for all the demand. We sat down in Topa Topa's brewing facility, and Jack shared with me about where he grew up, hint, it's not where you think, his roots in a family of people with a heart for service, the moment he quit his day job to start a craft brewery, and how the company's values play out in the call for environmental and social justice. Heads up, you probably want one of Topa Topa's beers in hand while you listen. Here's my conversation with Jack Dyer. Well, Jack Dyer, thank you for letting me come to Topa Topa Brewing Company here in Ventura. Yeah, well, welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for being here. Yes. Well, and so we're sitting on this little low and rather skinny picnic table in a big open room. Um, and you were saying something before about you're eventually going to turn this into an event space. Yeah, we, we always had plans to do big private events at our new headquarters and production facility here. covid put the brakes on some of those projects, Um, but now that things are opening up, we are receiving so many uh, requests for anniversaries, for corporate parties, for birthdays, sometimes two birthdays because people didn't get to celebrate last year. And um, (laughs) so we decided to activate it just recently. So we kind of stripped everything out of this big room and 
Uh, we do have plans to do sour beer production in this room as well, but for now, um, we're, we're just going to deck it out to be a private event space. Uh, we're really lucky to be neighbors with a great catering company, Seasons Catering, here, and, and um, they I eyeballed this space and helped us identify what we need to do to make it an attractive private event space for, for people. So that's, super that's cool. that, was, that I think we're starting Monday on painting and just cleaning it up. So, wow. Yeah. Are you going to have to get rid of these skateboards and the skate ramp over here? I think the skate ramp's going to go outside. So that's, <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a nice little perk for some of our employees. They, they love to skate. And we're actually share the building uh, with Skate One, Pal Peralta Skateboards. So um, there's usually a few people rolling around on their boards here during that's the day. It's pretty cool. fun. That's yeah. cool. Well, so did you ever picture having these kinds of things to think about? Did you ever picture yourself having this massive space and brewing for a living? Uh, you know, when I when I started Topa, it um, I, I had a feeling that we had an opportunity to, to grow and, and max out our, our previous facility. I thought that maxing out that previous facility would take about seven or eight years, uh, and it happened in two. Mm. Um, so I don't think I, I envisioned us getting as large as we are, and, and, and we, are, we are still quite small. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're, we're on pace to do about 15,000 barrels this year. So in the scale of beer making, we are very small. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been a really wonderful ride. And for me personally, um, the growth that we've, we've been lucky enough to, to have uh, was really driven by you know, such incredible support we get from our communities uh, where we are. And then when I looked at my team who, who we built, it's like a, I, my dad is a former college basketball coach, so I kind of look at like mm. what, what are, who are the players that we have, let's build the team around them. And, and, and our, our brewmaster in particular and the team he's assembled there are really good at, at kind of larger manufacturing, and, mm. and that's what they like to do. They, they, they get more kicks out of repeating a recipe and refining mm. it and improving it over and over and over again than they do about writing a new one. That's um, excellent. So, so it's kind of a, a little bit of both, but um, yeah, we... We're, we're really, really fortunate and, and excited. And in six short years, we've we've, we've grown quite a bit. Yeah, so. you really have. I mean, just as an outsider and as a consumer, I can see that. Yeah. And there's a really specific look and a specific feel to everything you do. I mean, outside of just what's wonderful in the can. But uh, can you talk a little bit about, I, I wonder where that comes from in terms of you and how you grew up. Did you live kind of this outdoorsy life and did you grow up here? Uh, I, I didn't. I, I grew up in the uh, outdoor, wonderful world of New Jersey on the East Coast. You did not. <laughs> yeah. Where in New Jersey? Uh, I grew up at split time between Long Beach Island down the sh down the shore and uh, a town called Medford in so okay. southern Jersey in the Pine Barrens. We we were a pretty active family, and, and my, my my parents always encouraged me to get outside. So I've always had a, a love for the outdoors, whether it was growing up fishing and catching turtles. Um, to I started surfing at a pretty young age. Um, so. Uh, yeah, we've always lived that outdoors, and, and it's a passion of mine. I love to get outside and be active, and um, it's kind of where I go to recharge yeah. uh, when, when I need to. So, Jack, in a million years, I would not have said he's from Jersey. <laughs> Never. You are so Ventura, 100%. I get that a lot. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily embody the, uh, the fist-pumping and gold-chain-wearing vibe, but uh, I'm pretty proud of where we're from. You know, New Jersey's a... New Jersey gets a bad rap, actually. No, it's like gorgeous. Southern Jersey, where I grew up, it is the Garden State. It's, it's farms and yeah. pine barrens, and, and uh, in particular down the beach. It was a great place to grow up. I, I had a lot of access to um, good food and was able to go up to uh, New York and Philadelphia all the time. And my parents always encouraged us from a young age to, to do those types of things. So 
Um, I wouldn't trade growing up there for anything, but uh, I've, I've now lived in California longer than I lived in New Jersey, so I, I, this is my forever home, and, and I, I love Ventura and the surrounding the surrounding region here, Ventura County, Santa Barbara County, mm-hmm. Slow County. It's just uh, it's the gateway to the Central Coast, and I yeah. think it's I think it's one of the best places in the world to live. My mom grew up in Chatham, Orange, you know that that area in New Jersey, and growing up here, I was actually born in Ventura. Oh, cool. Um, but growing up here, my mom talking about her upbringing. She talks about it just being this beautiful, idyllic place. And I did a report on New Jersey when I was, I think, in fifth or sixth grade. (laughs) And my teacher said, Jersey, why are you picking that? And I just said, you know, all I've ever known is that it's this beautiful, wonderful place. And then ended up, I lived on the East Coast for a while. And it is beautiful. I mean, it does get a bad rep. Sure, there's Newark and there's, you know, Yeah, there's some tough spots. But we have those in California, too. 100%. Totally. (laughs) So how did you wind up out here? Uh, I, I was fortunate enough. I got a job. Uh, my first job out of college was uh, was I was a third grade teacher, and then uh, I moved back to the Jersey Shore and was um, waiting tables and lifeguarding, which is what I did uh, every summer while I was in college, and and um, did that for one more year and ended up landing a job uh, in sales and marketing that brought me to California, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I never never went back. So what did you study and where did you go and what did you study? I went college? to college at a small school in St. Augustine, Florida, called Flagler College, and I. Uh, I, I studied elementary education, so wow. I was a, I was, I thought that was going to be my life, and I was pretty happy with it. I was going to, you know, teach school, and I loved teaching. I loved the kids uh, and the energy that they bring to you. And then mm-hmm. I, I also, I figured I'd just lifeguard in the summer. I really loved mm-hmm. that job um, too. But when I looked at it, I got an opportunity to try something new. And uh, being, I was 23 at the time, so um, I figured I'd go try something new for a little bit. I could yeah. always go back to teaching and. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think my experience teaching, even for that one year, has helped me in everything that I've done. I always, I joke about it, but it's it's actually really serious. I always say, you know, it's um, if you can control a, a room of eight-year-olds, then you can control a room of adults. And, and you should and, be president. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's uh, so so it really does. It it is useful and. Now it, it transitions really well to you know my job, which basically now is like drinking beer and talking to people. So, well, lifeguarding <laughs> and teaching those are that's a life of service. Yeah, yeah, you know, fun. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you see that continuing that thread continuing on here? Um, well, it, it weaves pretty well into our, our company that life of service. Um, my, you know, my father was a municipal court judge. My mom was a nurse. Hmm. Uh, my grand grandmother was a nurse. So they were always doing things for other people. So that's pretty ingrained into us and. One of our core values here at Topa Topa is community spirit, and mm-hmm. um, that weaves into everything that we do uh, with our 1% for the Planet affiliation, mm-hmm. uh, giving back to local environmental nonprofits. Uh, one of the things that brings me the most joy about our tap rooms, we have five of them now, is that we, we really do try and put roots in that hyper-local community right. and we're surrounding each of our tap rooms. So if, if there's an elementary school fundraiser or a police fundraiser or a firefighter fundraiser, we want to be a part of it. And, mm-hmm and give back and use our space um, and use beer, which I think is the greatest beverage in the world, uh, as, a, as, a, as a force for good. So, yeah. yeah. So when you went into sales in California, what were you selling? Ah, I was selling at first, it was selling a, this is going to date me, um, but I was selling an electronic billing platform oh, that we sold to nice. uh, colleges and universities before that something like that exists, existed. Yeah. So um, had some success there. It was a subsidiary of uh, Sally May, a large student loan company and then got into the student loan thing for a little while and um, just kind of topped out at a certain time. It was just, it was time for me to try something on my own and yeah. um, learned a lot along the way, made a lot of great, great friendships and 
Um, the, the biggest thing I learned from a business perspective is that business is uh, about way more than just the bottom line in dollars and cents. It's about mm -hmm. relationships and, and, uh, and building the lasting ones and, and, um, and trust. And so that's what I've always tried to bring to, mm. to what I do here at Topo. Did you get sent to Ventura? Was this your first landing spot? No, I was, uh, my first spot was San Francisco okay. uh, and did that for a number of years and then uh, moved down to San Diego, North County, San Diego uh, in Encinitas. And that's actually kind of where the, the Topa dream was, was birthed. Yeah, tell um, me about that. So we, I, I lived in San Diego, which was, is this burgeoning beer scene. And, um, you know, I really started to get a taste for the different styles of beer and, and some, some of the early ones from Ballast Point and Stone Brewing Company um, were just, and Alpine Brewing Company in particular, just changed my perspective on what beer could be. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it kind of cut my teeth on things down there. I started home brewing a very small scale just on my stovetop. Um, and um, me and my, my former business partner, uh, along with a couple friends, we decided to start something called a, uh, a brew op. We took mm -hmm. the co-op concept and applied it to beer. And we uh, took that concept, we got about 20 of us, 20 or 30 of us, I can't remember, but we bought a, a fairly large sized home, home brew system mm -hmm. and put it in our friend's garage and we would produce a beer a month and distribute it to all the members. And yeah. um, through that, I, I, I learned a lot about the process of beer making, uh, learned how much cleaning goes on when totally. you're making beer. And, oh my um, gosh. But more importantly for me personally, I learned that uh, I really loved kind of the community feel yeah. uh, of that and, and the community that you can build around such a great product that mm -hmm. makes people happy. And, and, uh, and, and so that, that really kind of kicked me off in starting to think about, well, maybe this is something I would want to do for, for, for my career. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so just kind of started reading books. I literally bought a book, how to start a brewery from our, <laughs> uh, from our brewers association and, and started to get the wheels turning a little bit on a, a potential project down in North County, San Diego. Um, and kind of by, by, by grace, God or luck or whatever it was, my, my wife, uh, my, my wife, got a, a job opportunity up here um, in Santa Barbara and it was just a really good opportunity for her it was kind of her, her her new dream job and and so we moved up here um, she's an engineer she manages water supply which is um, she should probably be on some of these podcasts sometimes probably we <laughs> can't make staff. beer without yeah. water and yeah, right. um, so so when we when we moved up uh, here to this region for a moment I, I maybe thought the brewery dream was was dead or on hold uh, for a little bit and um, did one brewery tour. There wasn't nearly as many uh, breweries here yeah. at that time as there are now, and and um, just decided to to go for it and started pretty much immediately started raising money to um, mm. to do the project here. I already, we already have my business partner Casey Harris, our brewmaster, who's who's still a part of the company and and just a critical part of what we do. Um, and he was a brewer at Stone Brewing Company at that uh. point in time and got on the phone with him and said, hey, if I figure out how to raise the money up here, would you move up here? And he was from, um, he's from Santa Inez, so, mm -hmm. and he went to UCSB, so he saw what I saw, and he said, yeah, let's do it. So mm -hmm. um, six short months later, he was leaving Stone, and I had the money and signed leases, and we were off, off and running. But so. meanwhile, you were still working a job? I was. I, I had, I left, I left that job probably about, 
eight or eight, eight to ten months before we opened Topa. What was that like? Quitting, you know, <laughs> quitting your benefits and no, all that. No, it, it didn't go as well as I would have hoped. Uh, I, I'd been with that that group and that company for for a while, um, and uh, I hadn't really activated anything mm-hmm. at, at Topa Topa yet, and it was just sort of an idea. And I was literally on my way to go back to like our holiday party and let let my bosses know like hey I think this is something I'm gonna do and mm-hmm. somebody got wind of something and, and it, it didn't go down the way I wish it would but yeah. um, it was a big it was a big risk so you know it, it, and I knew I was leaving so when when we parted ways a little earlier than I yeah. had planned it was it was okay and and thankfully um, thankfully my wife had a great career and a, and a, and a great job so we were we were okay from a financial perspective but mm-hmm. yeah you have to be ready to make no money for a long time if um if you're if you're going to jump into something like this starting a brewery is a pretty um it's a there's a big financial investment we got a lot of stainless steel a lot of equipment it's it's different than like starting a design firm or starting you know something smaller so it it was um it it was we were i was uniquely positioned to to have that opportunity to to Mm -hmm. to not really bring in any income for a little while and um and my wife and i kind of made that decision together and and um, uh, hopefully it'll pay off someday. Yeah. <laughs> Who's somebody that, you know, In I'm fascinated with that moment that mm-hmm. a person says, I'm going to leave my job yeah. and I'm going to pursue this thing that up till now has been a side hustle yeah. or just a hobby even. Yeah. Um, who was someone who gave you really good advice or somebody who inspired you to make that leap? You know, it, uh, I read the book and this is going to sound cheesy being here in Ventura, but I read Yvonne Chouinard's book, Let, Let My People Go Surfing. I knew and, he was going to come up yeah. at some point. <laughs> and that was just an inspirational thing for me. Um, I, I'd been working from home for a really long time, um, so I didn't really feel an attachment to the company and, and anything that I was that I was doing. Uh, I necessarily didn't, I didn't love the product that we were selling. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that was passionate uh, for, for me. So having that opportunity and, and, and just having the opportunity to create something that kind of s- speaks my moral, my morals. And, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that, that was really inspirational book for me and yeah. thinking about creating a company that, um, cares about its employees, wants, wants them to succeed, cares about the environment, um, and, and, and doing that. So that was a, that was a big thing. And, and then aside from that, I mean, my, my family, my, my, my mother and my father were, were supportive. My brothers and sisters were supportive. They, mm-hmm. I think they just saw that I was just sort of dilly-dallying at my other career, and um, this is something I was really excited about. And, and then, it, it, for me, it quickly came from a big risk of, oh my God, I'm leaving my career. I also always had that teaching thing that I could fall back on. Um, I always felt like confident that I could just go be a teacher again. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so make, making the jump was, was not as difficult for me as, as, as I thought. I was, I was ready to do it. and. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been the best decision I ever made in my life. It's, oh, I just I absolutely awesome. love what I do now. I feel blessed and lucky to be able to work with such inspiring young folks. And, and they uh, are young, aren't they? Yeah, I have a, I, I I'm not the oldest person at the company <laughs> anymore, but I'm pretty close. So. Yeah, well, it's yeah. it's a young looking and feeling brand. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about how you developed that brand. Yeah. The the the. Part of our, our business mindset when we when I wrote the business plan was you know aside from making the best beer around which was the number one most important thing having the best beer um, was the second thing was was brand and mm-hmm. and I really felt like as the market 
gets more crowded, um, that it's going to be really important for people to understand um, understand kind of why we do what we do instead yeah. of just what we do. And um, oftentimes in startups, in, in breweries, the brand is kind of the last thing that gets attention yeah. because there's so many other things to do. And, and I totally get it. And uh, But we were pretty intentional about it. We, um, we worked with a, a friend of mine uh, who had done design work and branding work for some pretty heavy hitters, the mm. you know, Toyotas of the world, Starbucks, oh, really? kettle chips, and we could not afford him. So, um, you know, we, we kicked him a few points of equity to, um, to help us uh, get off on the right foot with, mm -hmm. with solid branding. So, and he's still an influence in what we do today. Um, but uh, yeah, our logo and everything designed was, was from him. I still get chills when I talk about it because his, his process was very, um, very intentional and very different than like mm. a normal designer would do. We, we literally brought him up here. He's from San Diego and we brought him up to the region and we spent like a three day, three days together surfing yeah. and hiking and, and uh, just bouncing around the region and, and showing him why we loved it here mm. and why this is where we wanted to start the company. And um, out of that three day, he was asking a lot of questions yeah. and like word association and those types of things. Out of that came our logo and our brand treatment and um, just kind of a brand book and guidelines of mm -hmm. like this is who we are and this is how we speak and um, and it just it he just hit the nail on the head yeah. and um, so from there we've we've you know we've we've again one of another one of our core core values is craftsmanship where we like to do things ourselves mm -hmm. um, obviously making the beer ourselves but even with our branding we have an in-house brand uh, manager who, mm -hmm. who kind of keeps watch over everything that we do yeah. and make sure it's it's aligned with with our vision so, so you're um, not contracting out to a bunch of different folks it's, no. it's yeah. you make it yourself we do it all ourselves all the all the line art on our on our cans is hand-drawn by mm -hmm. our brand manager and um, so everything we do is 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 done in house. Yeah. It's yeah. Cool. Um, with that uh, friend of yours who's doing the word association and all of that. I mean, what was it about when you said we wanted him to see what we loved about this place? Well, what was that? Yeah, I think you know, being be, having the opportunity to live here on the central coast, we we have such a unique. Um, place and my wife and I used to actually drive from San Diego to Ojai and to Santa Barbara and stuff for vacations it, it felt like getting on the other side of LA especially when you start to cruise up towards San Luis Obispo like when you get on the other side of Santa Barbara especially you're just like whoa this yeah. is really different than Southern California so having that opportunity to have the mountains and the sea so close to each other two things I love to do I love to hike I love to surf I love to sail um, just really is, is unique and I think uh, we wanted that to come out in our brand and even in the beers that we make they're kind of designed for different experiences that you have here here in our region yeah. um, and we try not be like super on the nose with that but it's there and it's kind of an underlying theme in, in everything that we do yeah um, and so I, I just I, and and it was really mostly driven by him he was like I'm not I don't even know what the topa topas are yeah uh, so I need to come and see him uh, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna help you design, design your brand did you know you were gonna name it that we had a different name. I had a different name on the business plan for San Diego, and um, but when we relocated up here, um, I loved the Topa Topas. I thought yeah. they were beautiful, and I was actually I'd spent a lot of time in Ojai, not as much at the beaches in Ventura and stuff. But I, when I moved here, immediately I was surfing a lot down in Oxnard, and and mm -hmm. I was amazed you could see them from everywhere. Yeah. And so that regionality that kind of uh, was, was, was really important uh, to us because we, we didn't want to be 
necessarily tied to just one town yeah. uh, here. Uh, and um, and second, secondly, they're, you know, they're, they're different types of mountains. They're transverse mountain range. Uh, so so they, they run east to, east to west, not north to south. So we thought that that played really well with um, what we thought our beer was going to be, um, mm. meaning like a lot of people are making beer these days. There's a lot of breweries. Totally. We think our beer is just a little bit different. And, um, and those mountains kind of speak that way to me. They're, they're mm-hmm. mountains, but they're just a little bit different. And not everyone knows why. And that's kind of a cool thing about Yeah. Them. And yeah. in the wine industry, you hear a lot about the transverse yep. east-west mountains because that makes a huge difference for cooling grapes and everything. Absolutely. But I didn't see you, I didn't see a brewer thinking about that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And they're, they're just, I mean, when I, we we settled in Ojai, my wife and I, and it was just you know everything there is named Topa Topa. Yeah. Um, it's also pretty fun to say. I was just like <laughs> literally as simple as like in a crowded bar, yeah. Topa Topa, you're going to recognize what that is. So. Yeah. For um, sure. So that 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 was that was a big part of it, and it's been a great name for us. And and I think you know less people knew what 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 the mountains were, what the mm. name mean than I thought around yeah. here. And we we had a lot of people come in. With, what does Topa Topa mean? So that's been a fun again not directly on the nose uh, Mm -hmm. and that's a big part of our brand is just we like our our customers kind of dig deeper to figure it out yeah something just wafted through here like hops or something it's so (laughs) intoxicating let's take a quick detour here to talk about another consumed sponsor Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality groceries local produce and exceptional customer service Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and a variety of organic selections. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. What was the first beer that you, I mean, what was your thinking? Were you thinking IPA? Were you thinking West Coast? Were you thinking East Coast? I mean, where were you? Yeah, um, we, I, I felt strongly coming from San Diego, which is like the IPA capital of the yeah. world, um, that this region needed a, a, just like a really good local fresh IPA. Mm-hmm. I saw an, we saw an opportunity there. I mean, yeah. um, you know, our friends at Firestone make some great IPAs, yeah. Big Mountain, uh, had their hoppy poppy, but when you when you would go around in Ventura County specifically, uh, most of the IPAs were from San Diego. There mm. was a lot of sculpting from Ballast Point, a lot yeah. of stone, um, and I just felt like if we provided a, a really fresh West Coast IPA, um, which is a style that I don't think is ever going away now. People hmm. are people are hopheads and, and they love it. So yeah. um, that was it's literally in our business plan to like we wanted to make the best IPA um, in this region and. Mm. Uh, Chief Peak, which is part of the Topa Topa mountain range. It was a perfect name. It was uh, authoritative in, in a certain <laughs> sense, but there's still some mystery to it. A lot of people, again, didn't know what they Chief Peak know, was. Yeah. Um, so the, it, it, that beer, which has been the conduit to our limited amount of success so far, um, I, I'm, I'm biased, but I think it's a perfect beer. That I, was the first yeah. one? That was one of, it was, it was part of our original rollout. So, okay. um, we rolled out with, uh, four beers and we tricked people into that. They were five. We took a, a stout and put coffee in one. So we had a coffee stout and yeah. a regular stout cause we were just, we needed to get open. So it was like, yeah. we couldn't wait for any more beers to be ready, but chief was part of our opening lineup. Um, and very quickly we realized that it was, it was a winner and, yeah. um, 
when we started to distribute it in very limited amounts on draft, we started out of my Toyota Tacoma and hmm. delivering it literally to the places that we like to go eat. That was yeah. that was how we started. And and that's how you approached those. You thought, okay, where would we see this? Yeah. Who do we like? Yeah, it was quite literally like we like to go get tacos at this place. Let's try and get our beer on there because yeah. um, we were selling most of our beer at that time in our tap room. And, and it just, as soon as we put it on draft outside of our tap room, it just took off. And yeah. um, and so we've kind of been riding that 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 ship and we keep chasing Chief Peak. It's always... You know, it's a, it, we're always almost running out of it, and but that's part of its success is that it's always super fresh, and mm-hmm. we keep it fresh, and uh, and so yeah, it's 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 my favorite beer. It's I I go to bed thinking about it, I wake up oh. thinking about it, and uh, it's um it's just Casey just killed it with that uh. with the recipe formulation there. Um, it it's designed to resemble you know the region. We have a lot of citrus growing yeah. uh, in this region, and we use a hop called Citra in that that. That is, um, you know, a lot of orange blossom flavors that are that are subtle in it, but they're there. And then uh, we use a hop uh, called Galaxy in that beer, that's from Tasmania, that has a really almost tropical bouquet uh, to it. That's um, it's fun. It kind of makes you think about. Uh, it just it, it encapsulates what this region is. I think like it reminds me of going on a hike outside of Ohio. Yeah. You know, from the orange groves to like, the sagebrush to everything. It just yeah. it's a, it's a fun beer. I love that. I feel like that's been a trend lately with just hyper regional in terms of, you know, whether you're foraging like yeah. my buddy Trevor Peterson um, forages up in Big Sur for his Bixby gin mm-hmm. and there's just it is evocative yep. of being there um so i really appreciate that where where do you get your hops where do you purchase them yeah it's mo- and most of us uh in the industry are, are all buying our hops from the same consolidated people okay. so we have a few consolidated um companies that sell us most of our our um uh, our ingredients whether mm-hmm. it's malt or whether it's hops um so it, it we it's really more about the recipe design most of our hops are grown either in yakima uh, mm-hmm. up in washington some in oregon and then um, we do contract a number of Southern Hemisphere hops yeah. um, down in Australia and New Zealand. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so we're there. There's often a push and a desire, and we get a lot of inquiries from local farmers about um, wanting to, you know, supply us with locally grown hops. There's there's a few hop farms that are starting to build up yeah. uh, production in in our regions, but even at our small, very small scale, most of the time they they it's can't even come enough. close to yeah. what we need. Uh, yeah. to supply even like a half a batch so right um we're lucky we're, we would like to kind of push that envelope totally. a little bit and, i wonder why it hasn't yeah. gone further yeah a lot of it's just regionality hops grow at a pretty at a kind of a set latitude yeah. um, you're starting to see some emerging hop markets in michigan and idaho mm. and but it's kind of all in that same band, band um, yeah so they, they just don't grow as well in other yeah. in other areas and and so we like to go where, where the highest quality that goes yeah. to another one of our core values is quality. It's our first one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these hop growers and, and farmers have been doing it for generations. They're, they're crossbreeding things. And so, so we actually go to both Tasmania and to, um, and, and to Washington uh, to every year to select our hops, which most brewers do. That's when you say special. we, do you mean you? You go to I Tasmania? I haven't gotten to go yet. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to Tasmania next time. That's um, awesome. COVID put a, put a halt, so our, our hop selection this year was virtual. Uh, they sent us everything, and we got to select the lots. I was part of that. But um, in years past, it's just been our brewmaster uh, who's, who's gone, Casey Harris. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to hop on, hopping on with them. But, uh, yeah, as a growing company, cash was always tight it is always tight so um we we just sent him and he's got he's got the palate and the nose and he really knows what he's looking for um 
So, and, and one of our secrets of our success is that Casey runs the beer program. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hearing yeah. him come up a lot. Yeah. It sounds like he's the secret sauce. Yeah, he's uh, just an incredibly intelligent, uh, hardworking, uh, younger guy. He's younger than me, and, and he put together a great team. But uh, that's one of our, our I think, advantages at, at, over some other breweries is that, um, is that you know, I don't have to worry about our beer. I know yeah. everything that he puts out is going to be great, uh, and I love to talk about it, and I love to help where they want, want help to, to kind of come up with different ideas mm-hmm. uh, conceptually. But um, he takes that off off my plate so I can we can focus on other things. How cool is that? That's, yeah. As an owner, it's got to be yeah. huge. Uh, and he's an owner in the company too, which yeah. I think is really important. Um, and I shout that from the mountaintops to anybody I know who's starting uh, mm-hmm. something, whether it's... Uh, if you have a key player, make them an owner from the beginning. And, That's a good um, idea. And uh, that that was no. We started from that from day one, and, and uh, I think that's that's helped because. We don't want to, I don't want to ever want to see him go. He's, yeah, he's, for he's, sure. He's like family now. So yeah, right yeah. on. Um, you mentioned so community spirit, quality, and craftsmanship. What yep. are the other ones? Uh, we only have three. Uh, okay. that, I take that from my my third my third grade teaching. I used to have <laughs> you know three or five rules, golden rules, and you could always point to any one of them if they did anything wrong. And uh, so I, I think core values are kind of good when they're in that. Um, mm-hmm. In that realm so really we can apply anything that we do fits into that quality craftsmanship and community spirit um, it's supporting one of those core values and yeah. so that's that, that those are our three and and my, my our employees probably get sick of me talking about it but I, I say them all the time we're repeating them they go in a lot of emails to everybody and, mm-hmm. um, and I like them they're kind of like catch-alls you know if you're yeah. if you're doing if you have a bad customer service experience that's not quality so yeah, if, you right. know if um, if we're looking to kind of outsource something that we shouldn't be outsourcing that's not craftsmanship and mm-hmm. then um, community spirit that goes with teamwork that goes with our dedication to our our, our local communities and, mm-hmm. and our one percent for the planet which is kind of our larger community and, yeah. um, you know we're heavily involved with the brewers association and our local guilds because we think that that's you know those are our, our communities so yeah. they're important to us tell me about the um, commitment to one percent for the planet yeah, it was. It's something. One of the things I'm probably most proud of with with the company is that we were we were able to do that in the first year that we opened. Oh wow! Um, which was rough when yeah. when I'm it wasn't getting paid, but we decided to to double down and, and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, heavily influenced by our pals at Patagonia. Uh, yeah. our, our original location was about two blocks from them, um, so we had a lot of their folks in our in our place uh, eating and drinking our beer and. Uh, and just wanted to do the right thing. And uh, as you know, our our business, like like any business, is there's no really in my mind. There's not like any sustainable, actual sustainable businesses. We all mm-hmm. we all kind of should be paying a tax um, for what what we take. Uh, and that this is our way of, of giving back. It also builds in a little bit to our marketing. Uh, we we tie tie ourselves close to uh, a lot of you know local environmental nonprofits that do great work preserving our hillsides mm-hmm. or cleaning up the beaches. Um, so that's a part of the way we got our name out is, is being their go-to brand for beer at their events. And, and that is um, huge. So it's, it's, it's a win-win. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, that, that 1% number is 1% of sales. It's, uh, going out the door. So we just yeah. pretend like it's not there. And, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so as a growing company, that was always a challenge, but 1% has been a great partner with us and, and we've actually helped them kind of shape 
and 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 guide a program that was is more palatable for mm-hmm. more breweries because a lot of people think like I get other breweries even say to me like, well, that's your guys' thing. We want to keep that. I'm like, no, I think every brewery should be 1% for the planet. I think every business should be. So um, we work really closely with 1% to try and make the program um, more uh, user-friendly for breweries specifically. Uh, And they've been great to to help with that and allow us to use our product to offset some of our cash donation Hmm. and those types of things. Because what they've found is, when you have beer in an event, um, you're likely to raise more money. Um, so instead of like, you know, applying just the, the the wholesale amount, if we donate a keg, they actually allow us to offset it. Like, okay, how much money did we raise at that event? Because yeah. a lot of times we'll donate a keg and 140 beers in a keg, right. and uh, they charge $5, and it's a $5 donation for a beer. And so that's been really cool. So we're trying to tell that story and, and get in front of, you know, um, other craft breweries to, to, to encourage them to join. Yeah. Too. Right on. Um, also, just kind of side thing, when I walked into the tap room, you've got a big Black Lives Matter we do. poster. Tell me a little bit about that. I I'm, love it. Love. <laughs> okay. Well, I just, I, it's, that's a hard decision to make when yeah. people are walking in, or maybe it's their first time, or, or yep. maybe they're even like longtime customers. Yep. You are saying something of substance there, and people can take it or leave it. I yeah, mean, well, th- this year was a, a hard year, um, and it's uh, it's again one of the things I love about about being here. Never in my in our business plan did, did we ever think we'd be talking about social justice issues. Right. Like our thing was environmental, and we were focused on that. And um, but we and and our team just thought it was really important to yeah. to stand up for what we know is right and. Um, and we've gotten some blowback, um, different types of people <laughs> reaching out. And, and uh, I, I, I tell this story a lot, never on a podcast, but um, <laughs> every time someone reaches out, whether it's to our general email inbox in a, in a negative capacity about yeah. our signs, I've emailed them personally right yeah. back and invited them in for a beer and said, hey, let's talk about this. I, I want to understand why you think this is such a threatening thing and there's just so much mis- misinformation about Black Lives Matter and, and what it actually represents and uh, the whole All Lives Matter movement is a thing that um, you know it's like uh, but my simple statement is yeah Black Lives won't matter All Lives won't matter until Black Lives Matter and, yeah, right and kind of let it let it rest there so but it was a big it was a big um, part of this year and we were very intentional and we took our time with each and every social media post at um, at the most volatile times and, and tried to stand up for what um, we think. I mean, community spirit is one of our core I was values. Thinking that, so yeah. it's um, our community includes everybody, not just yeah. some people. So um, yeah, it was it, it was important. Um, I should say, of all the people that I invited to come in who opposed our sign, um, not one has taken me up on the offer for a beer. Guys, um, come in for a beer. Which is interesting. I'm still it's still there, and they all have my email because yeah, I, yeah. I didn't hide from it. They mm-hmm. they got my email. They got my cell phone. So. Um, so I think I think most of the most of the blowback for it it was very limited. I mean, we have so many more people who are just uh, who have said thank you quietly, mm-hmm. like thank you for having that sign up. Um, and then we we also joined the Brewers Association has has done a good job. Our industry has a lot of work to do when it comes to inclusivity, and um, so there's a crafted for all is something that the Brewers Association is pushing and. Um, we really want to make sure everyone knows that our spaces are inclusive for everybody, mm-hmm. um, regardless of gender, creed, race, religion, sexual affiliation, whatever. Yeah. Um, you're welcome here at Topa, and, and that that's important to me. It's um, and mm-hmm. so yeah, we're we're 
we're proud of it and um, the sign will stay up as long as we need it to, I guess. Uh, it's kind of one of those things. We've actually, we're fairly democratic about it. At one of our tap rooms, we had, you know, some people kind of protesting out front and it just became a hassle. So we kind of moved it inside and the, we made, I allowed the, the staff to vote and, you know, I want to keep all of our staff safe uh, mm -hmm. first and foremost. Um, that was top of mind this year with COVID and everything, but, oh God, um, but uh, the social justice thing is something um, it had to be, it had to become part of who we were. Yeah. Um, and like I said, our industry has a lot of work to do. We're continuously going to support um, what, doing what's right. Yeah. It's been fascinating through the past year in particular, watching so many business owners, small, medium, large, whatever, have to come to terms with their role as yeah. leaders. Yeah. So you, you know, when you're starting a brewery, you're not thinking about no. racial yeah. justice probably top of yeah. mind, but now that's become, I think that owners, founders, CEOs have to recognize that they are leaders and, and you have to decide on yeah. a lot of things. Yeah, and the silence became almost deafening, yeah. um, especially at the height of everything. Um, you know, everyone was stuck at home at that point in time. I know, um, perfect story. There was just, a lot it was everything was under a microscope so um you yeah we you have you had to it very quickly became for me we we had to say something yeah. we could the silence from other brands was kind of um at times deafening and i think there was blowback almost immediately if you didn't say anything so mm -hmm. um not that they that that's what forced us to do it but um we just it was really I borrow our uh, my friends at Maine Beer Company. They have a simple slogan: "Just do what's right." And I love the Maine Beer Company. <laughs> yeah, Wait so a minute, in Freeport or in yeah, the, yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so, the, so they're a fellow One Percent for the Planet um, yeah. uh, group and, and uh, brewery. And so yeah, do what's right. It's like okay, this is just what's right. So yeah. um, and and our staff, it's really fun working with younger, energetic people because. Because for that, even, and I'm not that much older than most of our staff, but even that little generation, generational divide, fired up. for them it was like, this is just what you do. Like, yeah. it's not, there's, there was no question from anyone um, from the younger ranks of their company. It was just like, that's, it's just what you do. So, yeah. Because they've grown up being all-inclusive and, and everything. So it's, yeah, um, yeah so it's, it's been good. And, and I hope that the conversation continues and, and um, I hope that it, with our limited voice, I mean, we're again, we're super, we're super small. small yeah. But um, if we can use it, use it for for good and, and educate people and um, educate people on things that we think are important, then that's what we'll do. Yeah. yeah. Well, you you keep saying that you're small, and yet, I mean, of course, I'm only in San Luis Obispo, but I see your beer everywhere. <laughs> now, how far does that go? Well, I mean, where are you? Shout in out the world? to our sales rep Spencer in uh, in San Luis Obispo. He's <laughs> he's a little legend running around there and. Uh, yeah, he's done a great job, and, we've, and the beer's been well-received, and, and we, we appreciate everybody, all of our retail partners who, who uh, allow us to do what we do. I mean, Trader Joe's. It's like yeah. the moment that showed up, oh, okay. Yeah, Trader Joe's has been, been really good. And good. We've, we've had a, we have a great partnership with Trader Joe's, and, and um, yeah. And so I, I, our beer now is available from kind of uh, east and south bay, bay area, uh, all the way down to the border. Okay. Um, and we're slowly growing uh, that we, we sell we sell about 80% of our beer in three counties, in, in San Luis wow. Obispo, Santa Barbara, and Ventura counties. Yeah. Um, LA is slowly growing, and then we do really we do decently well down in San Diego and Orange County mm -hmm. um, with our, our distributed partner, Scout Distribution, down there. So um, a little bit of beer makes its way to Arizona, tiny little bit, <laughs> and then a tiny little bit goes overseas uh, to Japan and Taiwan. Um, cool. But a very small amount, and that's um, yeah, we 
needed to be an exporter uh, to help complete this project. I think our, our bank got a little bit better rate if we were considered an exporter. Oh, so we sent a little bit of beer overseas, but, but that's been super fun to see too. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a cool thing to see the beer get over there, it gets over there fresh and, and um, people in Japan are loving it. So that's good. Awesome. Well, what do you think, I, I wanna know what you think is next uh, for the brand, but also I wanna know what you think is next maybe for the industry as a whole, because we've moved, I mean, yes, IPA is here to stay, but there has been, I mean, there's sours, there's yeah. hazies, there's, you know, I feel, I could be um, wrong about this, but I feel the pendulum swinging a bit back more toward browns and ambers and reds and porters and stouts. Yeah. Am I wrong about that? I, I, we, as brewers, we all hope that there's a little bit of a return to lagers yeah. and oh, just oh, more and, simpler, okay. simpler styles, um, the pilsners and, and, and those types of things. So. Isn't it a lot cheaper and faster to make? Or maybe, maybe Ale, not faster. Ales are faster. But... It's actually longer um, okay. um, to, to make a lager. So that's Part of the reason you don't see as many of them or didn't at, at a time because it you know you you can turn a, an ipa tank really quick versus mm. a, a, a lager tank and you, you have know. to is it it's cold right yeah cold so lagering is basically to rest and just sits in the tank and, and okay. um, all kind of the off flavors from fermentation just drop out over time so yeah. um so i i think probably i mean the the beer industry's very uh there's a lot of experimentation going on most of the growth uh in in the craft craft brew segment is in companies that do less than 2,000 barrels a year uh so it's hyper local hyper local and hyper small uh, where experimentation is just part of what what it is i mean craft beer was born out of home brewing so it was you know looking for a better way to do things and a better option to the to the three or four big big breweries that are out there so i i expect that to continue um where where the trends go i i don't know we we try and not really like chase trends here at topo we just we make things that we that we like um we we do have kind of rotating specialties that we utilize to kind of explore and r d and put them on tap at our five tap rooms and mm-hmm. get feedback uh from folks but from, from an industry perspective there's just so much good quality local beer yeah. that um i think that's where you're going to see growth i think it's just going to even more hyper localized so if you're if you're starting to brew you got to own your backyard you just have to and then um but stylistically i mean it's a it's a great time to be a beer drinker Mm -hmm. and um and as as breweries grow up and refine their processes some of those like like a a good pilsner is probably one of the hardest styles of beers to make yeah and um so as as brewers refine their skills and and get better equipment as equipment kind of shrinks down to meet the demand of all these these smaller breweries um we can get better equipment and make better beer and yeah and um so it's just good 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 all around yeah, yeah. and you bring up a great point that craft brewing came out of the homebrew movement where people were doing whatever they wanted to be yep. drinking in yep. response to having the same old you know the same old players mm-hmm. um Brewers are so independent. Yeah. They are. You are not the boss of them. Yeah. Um, and I've seen that pretty, um, pretty clearly. That there's a real yeah. independent spirit there. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. We've. I mean, that's sort of ba- now. That's the new dividing line in how we talk about beer. It used to be, you know, Budweiser. No, but now it's independence because these guys have um, the big boys. AB InBev has has gobbled up a bunch of brands and mm-hmm. they're kind of I call them crafty brands where they're <laughs> they're not really craft anymore because they're owned by the the big guys but um uh so the Brewers Association again has done a great job we're, we're so lucky to have such a good 
trade organization representing all of us, um, and they're really pushing independence. And there's an mm-hmm. independent seal that's on all of our cans and all of our packaging. So as you're shopping in the store, uh, you can you can know uh, if you look for that seal. They call it we call it seek the seal. Yeah. And um, that's well, it's hard to know. It's it it, at this point, it's very hard to well, know. Well, and it's and it's purposely hard of to course, know yes. by, by the big guys. So. Um, so that that's that's a drum that we're going to continue to beat, and mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, as as I think, it's as 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 the industry grows, and I think that consumers are always smart, right? They're going to figure it out eventually. It may take a little while, but they're going to find out who's who and what's yeah. what. And the more um, high quality, local, and fresh products that we can put in the market, the consumers are they're never going to go away from that. Yeah. It's just that that it's just. It's just, it's too good yeah. <laughs> to, Aww, to, ever, to awesome. ever go anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, can you tell me a little bit about the role of social media? Has that been pretty critical to, I mean, I, I know that I'm, it's a leading question. I know that it has, yeah. but tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're an, interesting, an interesting brand, and uh, we um, have yet to pay for a print ad. I ever. love that. Yeah. That is so great. Our marketing budget is very slim Um, and we're six years in and we still just don't uh, and there's some publications that I love that we love and and whenever they reach out I'm just like I can't pay $400 for a quarter page ad when you know with a click of a button I can reach 35,000 people they're already there it's already targeted yeah Yeah. Yeah. so social media has been critical it was critical from when we started we we again goes back to that branding We, we knew before we even opened kind of a strategy for how we wanted to market the brewery and um, a, a story that I've, I tell a lot is our, our busiest day ever in one of our tap rooms still to this day is was opening day um, mm. so we had a following before we even opened and how did that happen just how, how does that happen just, I, I was doing social media back then um, so I um, we just we connected we poured in leading up to opening we we had a little bit of beer and we at a few events um, that were pretty critical so we got got some good followings it was like pouring homebrew at private events yeah. but um, there was a lot of people there we connected with um, the right the right folks who kind of would talk about us a little bit and then um, it just I think our location in Ventura too helped I was just gonna um, say it has to be and I don't want to insult yeah. if there is anybody out there brewing in Ventura I'm sure they are um, but the fact that it was somewhat novel yeah. here, yeah. people probably took ownership of the fact that you were. Yeah, yeah. We we room. opened at a, at a time where in Ventura proper there was only two other breweries. Mm-hmm. One one of which isn't isn't here, um, and we were right on that the thoroughfare of Thompson Boulevard. So we we also picked up a lot of people just driving by. And yeah. As you're building a brewery, you have tanks sitting outside. You have <laughs> construction going on. The sign went up pretty early, which was intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it was social media has been been critical and still is. It gives you such a unique opportunity to tell your story in a unique and hopefully interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, also you just, you know, you can literally interact directly with your cool. customers and fans. Like, yeah. and I, I still help manage our social media because I, I like it. I like, mm-hmm. I like, it feels like you have the pulse on of what our consumers want. Right. And um, so, yeah, it's been incredibly, Instagram specifically is just, it's, it's an incredible way um, to, to engage. And, yeah. um, and then during the pandemic, it became even more important. Um, with all the changing of rules and things that our tap rooms were we open, were we not open, are we shipping, are we all these things that um, we kind of had to invent. You know, we invented a shipping 
department to ship beer directly to people's houses literally overnight um, wow. when they closed us down the first time. And um, did people take you up on that? Oh God, yeah, yeah. We it's still <laughs> it's it like literally almost brings tears to my eyes. I can, I can go back to that moment and I can feel it where it was so terrifying and for every business owner, not just for us, and for everyone when, yeah. when the pandemic first hit. And I can remember our staff quickly, um, quickly built an online store yeah. overnight. And um, our warehousing department, who normally is shipping kegs and packages and stuff to our distributors, um, became a shipping direct um, department. And it was the first night we set it all up. We're like, okay. And I was just monitoring the sales coming in. And yeah, it was just, I can remember the names. I can't wait to throw a huge party here and, mm-hmm. and thank a lot of them because there's a lot of our regulars um, who were at that point pretty scared to leave the house. Yeah. Um, and we were just delivering directly to their doors, uh, shipping beer up to the Bay Area through friends and family and friends of friends. And um, so it was, a, it was a really unique time. And every dollar that we made during that was you know, helped us survive. Yes. (laughs) And literally every dollar. I mean, we we, we ended up losing a ton of money last year, like everybody did, but we we were able to keep the company afloat um, and we we didn't lay one person off. So. um, Oh my gosh, it's incredible. It's it's good. So, yeah. Totally. So that support was was cool, but none of that's possible without social media, you know, and and it it intertwined into the social social justice stuff too. We were Mm -hmm. able to kind of grab that and tell our story about what we were, how we were responding and what we were doing. And um, I hope that that social media just brings people closer to our brand yes. to understand our why and, and why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it's a unique opportunity that uh, I think breweries are starting to take notice to like really curate it and like tell a story instead yeah. of just sort of like this food truck's here and, right. and this thing's here. We try and make ours a little interesting and, and give people a lens into what we're doing um, yeah. on a day-to-day basis. Cause the saying around here is we love what we do and we do what we love. So it's like, mm-hmm. why not let people see how much yeah. how much fun we get to have doing doing this really cool job? Yeah, so. right on. That's mm-hmm. and it does it does translate. That person That's can good tell. To know. <laughs> um, I ask everybody on here if it were your last day on earth and you wanted to celebrate a life well lived, which <laughs> seems you you seem like you've lived a good life. Uh, what would you eat? What would you drink? I know what you would drink, but what? <laughs> and who would you be with? Oh, that's, that's, that's like the rocking chair test, right? So, um, <laughs> wait, what's the rocking chair test? We, me and my friends always talk about this, the rocking chair test. It's just when, when you're old, can you sit on your rocking chair and be super proud of what, mm-hmm. uh, what you've created? And, uh, so this is sort of a version of that. Yes, sort of it is. Yeah. What would I eat? What would I drink? And who would I do this with? Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to be drinking chief peak. Uh, yeah. that is just. Yeah, like I said before, I, I, I love that beer yeah. uh, for a lot of reasons. I, I'm, I'm amazed that I'm not sick of it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably drink more Chief Peak than any person on the planet. So <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> for yeah. better or worse, I'm yeah. just around it a lot. Some of our customers probably give me a, a run for my money. But mm-hmm. um, so I would, I would have a Chief Peak. Um, I am a jersey kid at heart so i would lobster probably, roll <laughs> we're a little little further south uh, Sorry. i think we're I, I would either have uh i would probably have a good slice of pizza yeah i love i love i mean i eat very healthy now and i try and uh with as much with my beer intake where it is i need to eat pretty healthy so but uh, yeah i i think a, a a good slice of pizza goes a long way uh to to makes me feel at home back in back in jersey and then uh, who would I do it with? Uh, my wife would be there, of, of course, and 
and my brothers and sisters and my mom uh, would be would be there as well. I've, I have uh, two older sisters, one younger brother. We're all really close, and uh, and so yeah, I I, I would want to want to have that last meal with them. Yeah, that sure. sounds good. Yeah. Jack, thank you so much for being here, for letting me be here. Yeah, um, welcome. Yeah. yeah, super fun. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of Consumed. If you like what you heard and you think more people should hear it too, please review the podcast wherever you like to listen. Because remember that thing I said about being in the top 40 food and wine podcasts in the U.S.? Yeah, truly, thank you for listening. To learn more about Consumed, to see photos of my guests, and get links to their many projects and businesses, please visit letsgetconsumed.com. As always, special thanks to Chris Lambert, who edits this podcast even though he's already outrageously busy with lots of other stuff. And thank you to everyone who lets me into their life for an hour each episode. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis. Jamie Lewis.